Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So the next one in our series is board players. Yeah, not like B-O-A-R-D, but B-O-R-E-D. Yes. Meaning this is the person that sits at your table and is playing on their phone until maybe it's their turn and then they quickly look at something, roll a couple dice, and then go back to normal. I will say that one of the biggest causes of having players being bored is having a table with too many players. Um, if you have more than four players, you're going to have a tremendous amount of downtime from one person to the next. So one way to do that, and this really affects a lot of the players that will do more of a fighter, where they're, they're, their direction in life is a lot easier to figure out. I move, I hit, I take a hit. I move, I hit, I take a hit. Any spellcaster, any non-spellcasters that way. Exactly. And that would be true almost across the board, right? So if you're playing even a GURPS or Vampire the Masquerade, and Vampire the Masquerade, right, you have the Bruja is going to go, is going to take less of a turn than like the Tremere, for instance. Tremere's are blood mages. They're using magic. They're all this weird stuff. The Bruja is pretty simple. Like most of their power is in either soaking damage or moving faster, right? Taking extra turns. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty simple. They move up, they do a lot of damage, maybe kill the thing. If not, they take a lot more damage when, when the, the thing strikes back at it, and they do the same thing. The Tremere's over here doing weird, like, I'm going to come out of the guy's chest. It's like, that doesn't make any... Okay, fine. And so the thing is, your spellcasters could be part of your problem. And yes, I get it. I've played spellcasters a lot. I like playing spellcasters. You, your spellcasters should be thinking about their next move the entire time, and... I'll be honest, maybe 30% of the time did the thing I want to do actually get destroyed. Otherwise, I could pivot the thing I wanted to do against a different character as opposed to that character, that character that just got killed by the fighter, right? Um, or the other mage class. Who knows? So the board players, typically, it's, it's if it's in combat, it's probably because it's, you're, it's taking so long for their turn to come around that they have no choice. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Where I get nervous is if I'm trying to talk about a storyline or something like that, and that player is sitting on their phone the whole time. That's when I get nervous. And so for that, I need to figure out whether or not I have player buy-in, giving player agency, and if I'm keeping the backstories and the flavor text to a minimum. That said, we're going to cover all of those kind of in-depth in, in some way, shape, or form later on, but I do want to just hit them all at a high level right now. So if you have a board player, make sure before you start your campaign the next time that you get all your players buy-in that that's the game they want to play. And we're going to talk about a really good ingenious way to do that. It's the Lexicon game plus some other things to do with it as well in another podcast coming up probably this week or next. Um, the other thing that I want to talk to you about is if it's also out of combat and um, – they're just so bored of the backstories and the flavor text. I try to keep my backstory in my head to like a paragraph. And then I try to tease that backstory out in less than a sentence or two. Right. And, and not from the villain. Like I don't want to do villain monologues, right? It's not the Incredibles. Great movie, by the way, both the first and the second one, but it's not the Incredibles where you get the villain monologuing so you can do what you need to do. And then flavor text for the whole thing. Like if I need to send you a page document or something like that to understand how the world works, I'm going to send that to you. I'm going to expect that you can read it because we all graduated from like third grade and we all know how to read. And so there you go. Um, again, I haven't played with a group that doesn't know how to read. So I guess if I was playing with a non-literate group, then yeah, I guess you're going to have to read that. 
um, and figure out how to be a better storyteller when you read stuff like that. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to send them long stuff that way. Shorter stuff, you may want to be a little dramatic, but not like critical role dramatic. Uh, <laughs> like you don't need full out, you know, you don't have to, you can, but you don't have to go full out voices and accents and stuff um, to do the whole thing. But you can just do, you know, just a simple, you know, you run into this guy in the bar and I look over and, you know, I look at the Claire's and I'm like, all right, so here's my tale. And this tale's not going to take more than 30 seconds. Cause if it does, it's, it's, it's something I should probably just hand you and you should read at that point. Um, so that's kind of my tips and tricks for, the board players is figure out why they're bored, get their buy-in and see if you can make combat go a little faster and make sure that you're not just um, railroading them through things. Mm -hmm. Cause that's a big reason, right? I have no choice. I just I sit here, I roll three dice and we go on with life. Um, yep. And that becomes boring really quickly. This is actually why in many ways I, I'm going to say this may not make me popular, but this is one of the ways why I don't like Dungeons and Dragons as a whole um, is because they tend to, it tends to get very railroadish for many players. You don't have to play it that way. You can totally play it differently, but because of how the classes are very pigeonholed, which is great if you're learning how to play an RPG, because you only have 10 options as opposed to something like a GURPS where it's like you have, I mean, what are you going to be? I don't know. Well, you have 150 points, so spend them as you wish, and yeah. you could be anything you wish. So it's just a different way of playing, where I find like a GURPS is less likely to be railroadish. Yeah. And the other hard part that D&D has on top of that in terms of pigeonholding is, so the rogue has the ability to do traps and sneak and head and scout outside of combat. That's about it. The, ro the, the wizards and the spellcasters can detect spells and things like that. What does the fighter do? Look pretty <laughs> with an eight charisma. I mean, I mean. <laughs> so you have the Look fighter ugly. and the barbarian literally just sitting and doing nothing until combat comes around. Yeah. Up until 14th level-ish when the wizard's better. Yeah. And then they do nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was even worse in 3-5 where it was like the fighters were good until level eight. And then. Mm -hmm. Like the cleric and the wizard and the druid surpassed them in terms of sheer combat ability. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that said, uh, if your players are bored, it could be because they chose the wrong class. Yeah, that's another thing to call out. If at a certain level, you may want to let them just switch dudes, like switch persons, just become a totally different class. Um, slot them in. And because, again, the problem is at higher enough levels – the, the major classes that have that versatility, they end up starting to take over the role even better than the role itself mm -hmm. that used to, you know, like, so uh, a cleric is a better fighter at yes. a certain level, hands yes. down, always will be. Or another thing that we did to try to help that was we, so like in three, five, every third level, you gain a feat. And we just said the fighter gets a feat every level. Every level. And it made him useful for another six more levels. Yeah. Eight they, to 14. Yeah, they, they survived for another 14. And typically we didn't go much past 15 anyway. anyway so. so the fighter was useful for the whole entire time. So that may be So it thing. might just be this thing of you just looking at some house rules of, no, the fighter's going to get a lot more better spot and lesson. So he can actually roll something and be contributing to the scouting a little bit more than you may normal. like you may automatically give your fighters and your barbarian proficiency bonuses mm -hmm. in, in the perception so that they 
you know, I mean, or a double bonus or something, which, so they can at least contribute to which the would, party. Which would make sense anyway, because you're going to be noticing things whole, in that's the battlefield. Yeah. It's their whole job. Yeah, I know. It never made sense to me that they never got those kind of bonuses. Oh, hey, you're a bouncer for the tavern and you're a fighter. Can't you're, see anything. You can't not see things. It's your whole job. <laughs> They're sneaking in behind you. It's fine. I got nothing in perception. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like your job is to keep people. All right. So anyway, no, I 100% agree with you. Um, homebrew rules to make more sense if you're going to play. If you know you're going to play an adventure, it's going to go past the level where certain classes become useful and you need them early then homebrew some something to make them a little bit more useful. And even if you make them overpowered, hey, fine. It's not a problem. I mean, you'll learn about it the next time and maybe lower that little home roll, homebrew down a little bit. Anything with a homebrew is going to be a work in progress oh, to get my. Perfect. Yeah, it's that's I mean, this is why this is why RPG game creation is really hard because you gotta you gotta test it. And you have to test it with a bunch of people over time. And what works great in like a low level adventure doesn't work at all in a high level adventure and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, because the game itself morphs as the, as the characters get bigger and bigger levels. So anyway, hopefully that's very helpful to you in this entire subject of how to help board players. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the most things you can do is just keep them engaged and note that as soon as they pull out their phone for something like a, an app on their thing, you've lost. And so it may be worth having a conversation with them after the fact just to say, hey, why are you so bored? How can I help you? As opposed to, I need, I need you to stay off your phone. Um, I find if you approach people in a, I'd like to help you, then they're also willing to help you nine times out of 10. If you approach them in the, I really don't care what you think, then they will reciprocate that attitude as well, nine times out of 10. So. Mm -hmm. Um, again, just be cool, ask what's going on and see how you can talk to the other players and help make your game go faster. And that'll probably also help them be less bored. We will see you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to skullrpg.com.